This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an episode of Panther Puri. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, TJ Peterson and Alex Lopez. And joining us today from Jet Centric Podcast, we've got Chris. Chris, how are you doing today? Hey guys, long time no talk. Yeah, been a little bit. Now, uh, there's a very, very specific reason why why Chris is joining us today. For those of you who may be unaware, which I would imagine is nobody who listens to our podcast, right. the Florida Panthers are reportedly hiring Paul Maurice uh, to fill the head coaching quote-unquote vacancy. Uh, Paul Maurice most recently coached for the Jets. So who better to go to than our friends over at Jet Centric uh, to get a take on what we can expect from uh, from a Paul Maurice head coach team? Uh, Chris, I know you and your colleagues over at Jet Centric were absolutely incredibly head over heels fond of Paul Maurice. So why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, tell us your thoughts uh, on the Florida Panthers reported hiring? Well, first of all, um, what are they thinking? What a great season. <laughs> and, and this takes out the Paul yeah, Maurice. I should Let, know let's... because we, we are all privy to it, but that, w- that was sarcasm at the end from Jacob. <laughs> yes, the, the whole head over heels fond of Paul yeah. Maurice was very facetious. But, but even let's just for, for, for the first little bit here, take Paul Maurice out of it. Um, what a questionable decision on Florida's part today. To um, not just let Brunette keep the job, yeah. Yeah, that it's incredible. What a great season. Um, not every team can make it to the finals. Um, not every team can win multiple rounds every year. Uh, coach of the year candidate. Very, very strange. Um, I saw a good tweet. Uh, we could move along now that said something along the, along the lines of if your coach, coach can't get you past the second round, who better than a coach that's never been past the second round 21 times than Paul Maurice <laughs> to replace them? <laughs> Oh, that is a good tweet. I like that, especially since uh, a lot of people who are in favor of this move are lauding Paul Maurice's experience because he's been in, uh, behind benches for 30 years. Uh, but his experience, realistically, is no better than Brunette's, even though it may be longer. Oh, well, results. Yeah, his I mean, results are almost that, as good. That's the thing I was, I was thinking about. Like, if you compare... Paul Maurice's best ever season to Andrew Burnett's one season. They're pretty mm-hmm. close. And he's yes. Paul Maurice has been a coach for more than 20 years, as you said. Well, he is just, the losingest coach in NHL history, which is something I feel like we should not just, you know, go without talking about. That I may not include that. 
overtime losses. Like, I think that it's possible that Barry Trotz actually has more overall losses. He's definitely the leader in regulation losses. Palmer, nobody has more regulation losses than him. He's coached the most games in NHL history without winning a cup. He's never even won a Stanley Cup Finals game. The only time that he got a team there, they got swept. And, you know, that was a good season for him to get them all the way there. That wasn't a very good Carolina Hurricanes team back in 2002. They got swept by a very, very good Detroit Red Wings team. And, you know, it's going to be difficult to not, like, in my opinion, like, I think Paul Maurice is an okay coach. I don't think he's a good coach. So I'm yeah. not in favor of this move and compounding it with the fact that like, I was a fan of Andrew Burnett. There were, there were some things I was worried about with him, but I was a fan of his. I wanted to see him get the full-time job. I would have been pretty okay with Barry Trotz or Bruce Cassidy getting it. Like if I was doing this podcast, I probably wouldn't be talking about like uh, Andrew Burnett got screwed here, but he, Andrew Burnett got screwed here. And like, how can he sit there and say, well, they, they would have been stupid not to upgrade on me with Paul Maurice. Yeah, and just to play devil's advocate here in terms of, you know, experience, I mean, Paul Maurice has never had a team as good as Andrew Burnett just had. Right. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to say one team. That. He's had one team as good. The, no, the I, 17. I, do, I agree with Alex the, there. Um, that, uh, the 17-18 the Jets are – yeah. Were one of the like they were the probably on paper the best team in the NHL after the trade yeah. deadline. That was uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that was uh, Toby Enstrom's last year in Winnipeg, right? Yeah, that was when Paul Maurice benched him in Game Seven against Vegas. Ah, lovely. And he benched and he benched Andrew Kopp that game too. Hmm. So see, he he benched our saying, he benched <laughs> he benched he benched the the Jets' second best defenseman. Uh, best analytic defenseman in a game seven to go to the Stanley cup final. He, he benched yeah. him in favor of a, of a veteran. I, I can't even remember who it was probably bottom 10 in the league defense. Was it, uh, was it Chris Thorburn? Well, Thorburn was playing at the time. And then after the trade deadline, he didn't play forward much during the playoffs, if I believe, but it was a Jay Harrison or a Mark Stewart or Mark Strait, one of these types of guys that the Jets love to sign every okay. year. I can't, yeah. I can't recall for sure who, which one of them it was. I wanted to chime in on comparing those two teams. Like, I guess the Panthers, they were the best offense in the league this year. It was a league, like, record in terms of offense in the cap era this year. I, I would just say they were the, the best offensive team in a year that was just – there was more offense in general. The Jets were the best offense that year, so I would say those offenses were about as good as each other. Defensively, I, I think this Panthers roster is actually pretty soft, like maybe middle of the pack. They do have an elite top pairing, but I think the Jets were deeper on defense. They did have Toby Edstrom, like we've been talking about. And then goaltending-wise, Connor Hellebuck is definitely yeah, better hell than is. Sergei Bobrovsky <laughs> right now at this point in his career. So, like, I don't feel like we can say definitively that was a much worse or even – or I guess we're saying that was a worse team than this Florida Panthers team. Yes, but like, I don't think I'm, by much. I'm sitting here yeah. saying, like, as far as I'm concerned, those are two equally good teams. This year's Panthers and that year's Jets, for sure. We we if can we say that for sure. Pound, that that team had a few players that were very like a few budding stars 
in Shifley and Kyle Connor, uh, Patrick Line, Nick Ehlers, Dustin Bufflin had, Blake uh, had a still good. solid year that year. Uh, Bufflin doesn't count as the Rising Stars because uh, he was already well into his 30s by then. But he did have a good season that year. Uh, Brian Truba, Little in his prime. Uh, Truba. Josh Morrissey, Brian Little. Like, that was a very good team. Yeah, no, that that's just that's a jam-packed team. All that to right. be said, a lot of excuses that were made for Paul Maurice um, about his record, about his playoff record, have always been, yeah, but look at his look at the teams he has, look at his lineups. When he was hired here, I thought it was a fantastic hire. I thought he was the sort of person that you 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 bring in, you kind of establish some things as the as the career went on. I question what those things are anyway when he was brought in you establish some leadership you establish some systems and some you know the stuff that claude noel just had no clue how to do and yeah. then you and then you bring in a coach that's going to take you to, over the finish line you get maurice two or three years to straighten things up and then you bring in a trots or a boudreaux or one of these guys that can take you home and it never happened and then the country club attitude came in and um the, the two scoring lines, two checking lines just stayed no matter what happened. Um, Shifley and Wheeler being stapled together after Little and Ladd and Wheeler being stapled together. They, you couldn't break that, that trio up. And then Ladd got traded. You couldn't break up Little and Wheeler. Couldn't break them up, couldn't break them up until Little got hurt, then Shifley went. And then the same thing happened. He's got his, like I said, top six, bottom six, and that's it. And your fourth line, you might as well not have one because he doesn't play them, no matter how good they are. Young players don't get a chance in his system, uh, whatever the system is. You're talking about a, a, a coach that tries to control the game offensively while having one of the worst defenses over the last five years um, and just being saved by the best goaltender in the NHL. And you've got a, a team that can't run a special team. They had two good years on the power play because of line A. And yes. their penalty killing has been bottom of the league like 10 out of the 11 seasons that the Jets have been back. Um, I don't see any, and this is truthful, any redeeming qualities. He's caused uh, the Evander Kane situation got out of control in the dressing room. Uh, the Dustin Bufflin stuff, we still don't have an answer to that. And now there's uh, Shifley and Wheeler question marks about that against the young guys. Patrick Line got forced out because of it. Um, and Billy Hainala not getting a chance to play our top defensive prospect. Yeah. These are constant that a lot things. On Twitter this year in particular, the whole Logan Stanley versus Billy Hainala uh, yeah. debate. <laughs> and so you guys, you guys in Hangar Hockey have been real vocal about that one. It, it, it's crazy. And, and these are things that, I mean, they go back to his Toronto days, the country club stuff. Um, just the, you know, the four or five veterans running the room. There's no consequence. If you have a, if you have a lousy game, you don't get benched. Mark Shifley was benched once the whole time. Paul Maurice was here. Like that's, that's impossible. Yeah. Um, Nikolai Ehler is not playing on the first power play unit. Um, inexcusable. Patrick Line like, is Ch Patrick Line, a 50 Patrick, to 60 point player. Patrick Line didn't even get play. to play on the first power play unit. That's the one that always baffles me. So there, there were times where Line wasn't on the top power play. 
it's oh well because they, they had to have uh, four right hand shots as well as him and all this bull crap like the the capitals have been making it work for 18 years with with ovechkin just watch their video and do whatever they do yeah <laughs> it seems pretty now, obvious to me Chris, i don't know you did hit on something that is is one of my biggest concerns personally with paul maurice uh, and that is his attitude towards young players. You you just yeah. said that young players don't get a chance in his system. Um, the Panthers are going to need young players to get chances to stay competitive right now. They've got a lot of money tied up and a lot of people, and they're going to need those ELC guys to fill in around the edges. And if Paul Maurice isn't giving them a chance to see what they've got, then we're going to end up signing these shitty league men defensemen or defensemen players in general and granted that's not necessarily a bad thing uh getting the getting the league men veterans but it's more prudent in my opinion to use what you've got in your system already and it seems like paul maurice isn't the kind of guy who's going to give those players a real opportunity i mean we're looking at alexi hepaniemi although hepaniemi is kind of a put up or shut up point of his career but, I mean, look at guys like uh, Justin Sordiff. Uh, I'm going to shout out Cole Schwinton because I think he has a real shot to crack the NHL. Mackie Samuskevich. I mean, we've got guys that are going to need to play in the NHL and be effective in order for this team to stay competitive against the cap. And it sounds but, like Maurice is not a boon to that type of system. You've got your top six, though, set, right? Or, or give or take. And in, and I more think in your less, teams yeah. and in your team's case, it's probably more of like a top eight, right? With you know a top three, a two, and a two, something like that. Top seven. Assuming whatever. the Panthers do extend Jonathan Huberto, yes. Uh, right. But Barkov's locked up. Duclair and Verhage are on good enough contracts. Uh, they'll they'll stay around for for a little while. Uh, Reinhardt's uh, got a couple of years. Lundell's on his ELC. Marchment's the one big question mark for us. And true. And Claude Giroux, that's true. That'd be great to bring him back. So let that me just here's a here's a great Paul Maurice example. We went into training camp last year with a center group that was Mark Scheifele, Pierre Luc Dubois, Paul Stastny, and Adam Lowry. If that's on not, paper, that's great. <laughs> that's maybe the best center group in the NHL. Um, I shouldn't even say maybe it is. It's the best four centers in the NHL. Uh, Barkov, At, Bennett, Lundell, Lusterinen. No, yeah. I don't know. The production, the production this year says otherwise, TJ. Production, perhaps, but uh, and up until this year, I realized Adam Lowry can't score. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You've got a 20, 22, by way, 23. By the way, I do just want to point out, I am a a an Adam Lowry for Selkie uh, proponent. Yeah, <laughs> no. Generally speaking, anyway, give or take, <laughs> top two or three center groups, whatever you want to say. Oh, um, yeah. That at no point did they play like that. They they were never put in the lineup as one, two, three, four, or one, three, two, four. Not no order, no any game did those guys, those four guys play center and we roll four lines. That, Paul Stastny paid wing, played wing the whole season. Adam okay. Lowry played third line center the whole season. What point is it of the general manager to sign those players and not play them the way they're supposed to? We sign and have young guys sitting in a press box all season. We talked about Hainola. He's played something like 32 games in the last two seasons, AHL and NHL. 
He's just been sitting in a press box and that's your development of your first round pick. Yeah. But you're playing this year a little bit different, but you're playing guys that literally are, shouldn't even be maybe playing in the AHL and I'm not exaggerating. So all that to, all that to say, if you guys have six strong forwards, which at least you do, if not more, those guys are all going to be sitting on your top two lines. And then you're going to have two lines of you, you, your guys that you were mentioning, they might play, but they're only going to play if they're on the fourth line, they're only going to play four minutes a night. And if they're on your third line, Oh boy. <laughs> oh, there's nights that the, that our fourth line plays four four minutes, five minutes. Which is normal you, if it's the playoffs, but regular season, you can't, you can't sustain that all year. Yeah, oh, I no. think one of the reasons that Barkov was able to be as good as he was was because a lot of the pressure was being taken off of him. His minutes were reduced significantly compared to compared to his career because the Panthers could roll four lines that were always a threat to score. And we've been pleading as a fan base to have Blake Wheeler playing on our at least the third line. Assuming he plays first power play minutes, he's only going to play better playing less. It's like, like uh, Claude Giroux was in Philly. He played a couple of years where he was slotted in the third line and, and, and performed just fine. So you play your three, four lines deep and play them higher minutes rather than running your two or three stars into the ground. And on top of it, our stars couldn't play defense. So you're, you're, you're constantly running Shifley and Connor on the ice and they're getting outscored all the time and you're not running Ehlers and Dubois as much as you should when they're not getting outscored. Chris, very, very crazy. I want to key in on here actually before, before we remove ourselves from the subject, like it's, it's so annoying. I, I, I know that this is like not really like an insightful analysis point, but all the people that are going to be praising this and might like be kind of uh, what's the word, like where they're going to kind of fight us about, they're going to be, but like, they're going to try to start a fight with us. Like, Hey, it's like, he's a great coach. He has so much experience. They're probably going to say like, he's going to get us to set up good defensively. Like the (laughs) Panthers will be good defensively under Paul Maurice. Like he's been, the Jets have been a tire fire defensively for a decade consistently. They have the last, well, I, I won't speak to this year, but the two previous years, um, adjusting for goaltending, they essentially should have been the worst team in the league. They're as bad as Detroit um, as far as defensively. Um, high percentage scoring chances over the last four or five years are that there's nobody, as far as I know, even close. Um, again, uh, because he plays in Winnipeg, people don't give him the credit he's due. Connor Hellebuck is the best goaltender in the world, period. It's there's not an argument. Wow. Uh, Shesterkin just this, no this him. year. He's top five. This, I'll you know, definitely say he's top five. No, Shesterkin this year, what he did is is a season for the ages, absolutely incredible. Don't I'm not taking it away, but as a and he's 28, okay, career, you know how that stuff goes. Over the last five, six seasons, there's no it's it's you're playing if you watched 82 games of what he has to deal with, the defense that's been in front of him since Enstrom and Bufflin have left on top of the system they play the high danger scoring chances are there's nobody even close and he rocks better numbers than than the elite guys that that are compared to him and he he is in a much much more difficult situation than they are it's it's unbelievable 
you know, we all There's stand Hellebuck. Connor as, Hellebuck is such a great fantasy goalie. Yeah, we <laughs> we all stand Hellebuck here, especially because he's an American. But here's the question I want to ask you. And look, we're we're I think the four of us are in agreement that this this move makes zero sense for the Panthers. But for those Panthers fans that are just sitting there listening to this podcast saying, I don't care, it's the Panthers. This time it's different. Mm-hmm. I want to know what kind of coach the Panthers are getting in terms of what's the kind of system he runs. Is he more offense oriented? Is he more defense oriented? You know, you've already touched on that he, you know, basically plays two two scoring lines, two checking lines. But I just want to get into the who he is as a coach rather than just shitting on him for 45 minutes, even though I'd love to do that. But I want to be able to tell people who Paul Maurice is more than just his flaws, if you don't mind. Um, <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> That's I'm fine. Not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a smart ass. It's tough because the, de- the defensive stuff is, is, is mind blowing. Um, but give and, me an example. Like what is he doing defensively that did not work in Winnipeg? Well, that what, you're worried about the Panthers. So let's assume they run the same defensive strategy. Um, I'm not sure they will because I doubt Charlie Huddy goes with him and uh, I'm not sh- as sure as who did what. Um, but basically they ran um, a hybrid man to man defense. Uh, I've talked about it on our podcast a lot. If you're ever watching ESPN classics and they show an Oilers game from 1987, um, basically we're doing the exact same thing that the mid eighties Oilers did that gave up like four and a half goals a game. Um, You'll end up at points where the forwards are behind the net. The D men are out high and nobody knows where they're going. And oftentimes we'll leave a guy wide open in the slot guy wide open beside the net hence the high danger scoring chances um so you you see that man-to-man type defense way too much i'll give some credit when he took over um there was a thing that i noticed that kind of carried into just after the 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 cup run that we had the the western final run uh carried into about maybe 20 30 games after that the next season was there's a lot of gap control where it seemed to me if if the puck was within any sort of striking distance the the play was for you to attack the puck on any gap any point in the ice Um, rather than let the player come to you if you know we'll say if the puck was ever three feet or closer to you you were to attack the puck and that went away and everything became passive and everything was backing off and everything was, was, was letting things happen and, and letting the play come to you. And they said many times in public, we're fine with a lot of shots against because we believe they're not going to go in. They purposely were giving up a lot of chances. They were purposely giving up a lot of shots. The confusing part was they were telling us these weren't good shots that they were, but you can look at the heat map and see they're from the, the center of the ice but they're telling us in press conferences, no, 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 they're not dangerous. They're from the outside. It's what we want. It's what we want. Um, how oh, old Sergey Bobrovsky next year? <laughs> Is that you want to be giving up 35 shots a game from in front of the net? I'm not sure. We already kind of are. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and, and that's, you know, it is, to be honest, it is a two-way street. When you've got a top five goalie, which both of those guys are, Hellebuck and Bobrovsky, when he's when he's on his game when he's on his game um that's a that's an okay play right play play to the play to your goalie play to your best player fair enough 
Um, but when you have the most shots against by the end of the year, three, four years in a row, and you play your goalie, there's another thing. Uh, I think one year he played Archer Zerbe something like 71 games in a season. Who? <laughs> Archer Zerbe. He was uh, Latvian. Oh, uh, we, we, we know who he is. It's a joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, Alex, I don't know who that is. Wait, I, you don't know who Archer Zerbe is? No. Holy shit. Like, he's a legend. Yeah, he is a legend. Chris, but you can... I do. I do. Yeah. Chris, one year in Carolina, I think. Yeah, one year in Carolina, I think he played. I think Maurice played him 71 games. He's a, a miniature kind of goalie, super durable, of course. And uh, I think Latvian or Russian of some sort. And He's uh, Latvian. Yeah, really good. But uh, Maurice is notorious for running the goalies into the ground. This year, in fact, um, Eric Comrie, who had a much better season than any of us predicted as a backup, um, fell three appearances short of becoming a restricted free agent that we would retain rights to and instead uh is now a ufa uh guy that <laughs> that we've reacquired i believe four times through waivers and trade and then becomes three appearances short in a season when since december we had no hope of making the playoffs. so i mean it's just all sort of all sorts of messed up um yeah that doesn't seem ideal and as far as offensively, I don't, he's the sort of guy you can't teach offense sort of thing. And he relies on his guys. You guys are lucky. You have one or two more guys than the Jets had, I'd say. Um, all things being equal, you know, you get another good year out of Duclair, that kind of thing. You guys have six or seven guys where the last couple of years, we've only had three or four. Um, so your top six is a little different than ours. Um, but that's what he's going to ride as far as an offensive system. I don't, I can't speak to it as, as much as maybe some of my, uh, you know, the other guys on the, on the, on the podcast could. Well, well, let they me score. ask you. Sometimes they score. Sometimes they score, you know, um, <laughs> as far as like, that's the, the, what they're trying to do. You know what I mean? The Paul Maurice offensive system. Sometimes you get one in. Well, that's how, I mean, some of it is like that because it's, it's not an aggressive style. It's not a forechecking style. Um, they score a lot transitionally because of the, the loose defense they play. You get a bad pass or a bad bounce, and then you score a lot of two-on-ones. Uh, Which is something that the Panthers excelled at this year, transition offense. So, so it seems like you don't really have anything positive to say. This is wonderful. I, I Again... If you, and, if you had to force yourself to say something positive, what would it be? Your fans are going to love him. He's a great quote. <laughs> uh, he, he's uh, animated on the bench. Um, he's loved by fans. He's loved by the media. Um, I pleaded via Twitter for the Jets to just move him from the behind the bench onto the TSN broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's a perfect spot for him. Um, that those are positives, I think, and we joke about it. And again, uh, trying to be to help you guys along here, that he's a car salesman, and uh, I don't know how he managed to talk somebody into this job. I just, it's crazy. It's after the okay. season you guys had. I just, it's on top of what's going on in the hockey world right now with recycling coaches, even take Paul Murray's out of it. 
It's it's crazy. And, and, and I do want to make sure that people understand that we bring you on to the show because we've had a long relationship. We talked to you when the Jets played the Panthers in Finland. We've talked a few times this year on Spaces. Yeah, it's not about shitting on the move. It's about trying to get to the bottom of what the Panthers are getting. And it seems like seems like the Panthers are getting another version of Gerard Gallant. It's it's he's very oh, similar. No. When um when Paul Maurice um, got fly, I mean quit. Uh, <laughs> Gallant is a name that's obviously come up quite a bit as a replacement, and pretty much everybody that I trust says the same thing. It's the same same coach. Fuck. It seems to me that the Panthers are looking for one of the two hundred hockey guys. Um, and for some reason, a former player um, isn't one of them. That that's questionable to me. Um, but yeah, Gerard Gallant. Like yeah, it, it, that's it's it, like I said. Uh, yeah, I'm shitting on Paul Maurice. Take him out of it. It's questionable. I don't care who they put in there. It's questionable. Now, I I kind of understand what what the Panthers are thinking in terms of uh, in terms of Brunette being very slow to make adjustments during the playoffs when the Panthers clearly needed to do something different. Jacob, um, if and that, Brunette himself if even that... talked about that in, uh, in, on clean-out day. Okay, but, but if he that... To be quicker to make adjustments. But... You guys, but, if... We all know that Paul Maurice is a coach that would never get swept in the second round. Paul Maurice doesn't <laughs> make adjustments. He right. is the most... That's the confusing part to me. Right. He's the most um, arrogant like this is going to work guy. They haven't changed their system. He, he was a coach here for eight years. They never changed their system. Yeah. The only thing they did, like I said, they changed a little bit when they made their little cup run. And the other things that have, <laughs> the other things that they have done is put different people in charge of special teams at different times, uh, you know, for a kick in the pants. And that has worked. Jamie Compon took over the, the power play for a little while. That worked really well. Um, so those sorts of things are changes, but again, they've been riding Shifley and Wheelers. It's 2022. They've been riding that since 2016. Yeah. Six years of the same two players together that get outscored constantly every year. Is, it, is there lot. anything to be said for, oh, and by the way, I, I'll just addend what I was saying. Like we didn't bring you on because we wanted somebody to shit on Paul Maurice. Like Alex said, you're our source for information mm -hmm. in Winnipeg. And we appreciate you coming on and being able to give us this insight. And, you know, this is this is part of the reason why, because we've been paying attention to you and the other people in Winnipeg that we, you know, trust to understand what's going on, like be able to have a, a keen eye and, uh, you know, look, look at what's going on under the hood as well. And, you know, that's why we're frustrated about the hiring. And, you know, it, it's the, it's the two parts at, at once, the fact that they hired a guy that we are all underwhelmed by. And the fact that Andrew Burnett wins the president's trophy comes in second in Jack Adams voting in his first ever season as your head coach. And then he's gone. And, and you know, we'll talk about what uh, the insiders seem to think that, the Panthers were definitely willing to give him a, another assistant spot, but he's unlikely to take it. He's likely to walk away. You know, actually something I wanted to ask you about is whether or not you'd be interested in Andrew Burnett becoming the head coach of the Jets. So why, why don't you talk about that? Would you be interested in that? 
so first I'll qualify that by saying um, it's not just a podcast name. I am super jet centric. I used to know every player on every team, every coach, every general. I used to know all that stuff. In the last five or six years, I've really gone super jet centric. I'm not as familiar with the other teams, other coaches as I used to be. That said, I would love a coach that plays up tempo hockey, plays to your plays to the roster. That's that's my biggest thing. All the all the bitching and moaning we did about Maurice, he could have done away with that had he adopted. Play your players like we talked about about the centers. Play them what's meant to, to be played. Stop forcing your system onto your group of players. If you don't want that type of player, get rid of them and bring in the type of player you want. Um, and that's a Paul Maurice thing. He just like, no, this is what we're going to do. Um, as far as Andrew Burnett, again, I'd love that. If, if it means that, yeah, let's go, let's run and gun. Let's score six goals. We begged for that. You've got this great goaltender. You've got a lousy decor. You, you don't know how to play in your own end. Go run and gun, do it. Win six, five. Hellebuck's not letting in five goals anyway. <laughs> and, and, and instead you're losing four, two every night. Because you're not very good at stopping them, and you're not trying to score. So, so what you're saying is he doesn't run an up-tempo offense. Well, no, because he handcuffs himself. He has two two lines that are going to run an offense. But if you're playing against a team that can match that, your third and fourth line aren't getting out there anyway. So, even if you've got guys that can score on those lines, they're not they're not seeing the ice. And he didn't. You know who that reminds me of? It reminds me of Andrew Burnett in the second round. It reminds me of everything that went wrong for the Panthers in the second round of the playoffs against the Lightning, where they couldn't score enough goals to survive. And what did they do? They didn't do anything. Yeah, that's – look, I mean, I know you kind of talked about Andrew Burnett, like, hey, he was in the Jack Adams. He won the President's Trophy. And, you know, we were all very, very in favor of Andrew Burnett throughout the season when people would start to shit on him if the Panthers lost like a single game because they rarely lost this year. But we, you know, all he really did was not crash the Ferrari. He had... I still don't agree. I still don't agree. Like, I want to make sure I'm on record. I don't agree. TJ, this was the best roster in the NHL, maybe outside of Colorado. Like... It's not, he didn't really perform any miracles. He did a good job. And then in the playoffs, he got exposed as someone who's not ready. I, I don't, like, I don't think it's fair to say the Panthers are panicking by moving on from Andrew Burnett. I don't agree with the, the Paul Maurice move. And as the longer this conversation goes, I get more and more depressed about it. And I'm going to start <laughs> drinking heavily, but like, this was not a situation for Andrew Burnett to learn on the job. This is a team that needs to win a cup now. Like the Panthers of five years ago where they're building and you got a good young coach. Sure, Andrew Burnett can learn on the job, but not right now. They needed a guy who's going to get them over the hump. I think they just took two steps back with the move they made. I think Andrew Burnett was a better option than Paul Maurice. But I do understand why the decision was made to move on. And for the record, um, Five minutes ago, the Panthers did officially announce that Paul Maurice is the coach of the Panthers. Not that anything was going to change, but it is official now. So I, I'm going to kind of agree with what you're saying as far as they're in win now. Um, 
then my question would be, how is that make Paul Maurice your guy? He's never won anything. Um, no argument. Especially given the fact that um, Bruce Boudreaux was available potentially. I th- think if you throw $8 million at him, he leaves Vancouver. Um, Barry Trotz is still available. Not that that necessarily matches the roster in Florida. Well, neither does Paul Maurice. I think in um, a four-hour sit-down meeting with guys that want an established NHL coach, I think Paul Maurice could make you believe um, that he is the guy for that roster. And, and uh, just, just to let you know and to let fans know why Barry Trotz isn't the name being you know, announced today, allegedly, you know, this is not confirmed. This is only, I think, speculated. I think it was by Friedman. Was that, yeah, yeah, that um, that Barry Trotz is very close with Andrew Burnett, and he essentially said, "No, I'm not taking my buddy's job," which (laughs) is not surprising at all. I mean, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, like that that old information was kind of coming along with, oh, Burnett's probably going to stay on, which, like, you know, the the unfortunate thing about this is that this process had zero transparency. So we have no idea if it was, which it appears to be, like that we can only guess that they viewed Paul Maurice as a highly desirable option and went out and pursued him. Where it, it could have been that they decided that they wanted to move on from Brunette and they tried to get somebody else and it didn't work. Like, you know, Bruce Casty would rather live in Vegas than, you know, at the outlet mall. That makes sense. Barry Trotz didn't want to come here for whatever reason. That's fine. But, you know, we have to run under the assumption that they're going after a guy that has a resume with no attributes that you should be going after. Yeah. If I'm the Panthers, I'm going after the, the, the three or four established guys. And after that, I'm trying to find a John Cooper, right? A guy or even a Woodcroft in, in Edmonton, a guy that you're not expecting something new and or an Andrew Burnett <laughs> a first-time guy I just don't if if Paul Maurice had two or three cup finals and uh, you know you take out the first 12 years of his career and in, in or those kind of middle years the Toronto things this and that I can get I guess I could get behind it but again you're talking 20 plus years two two conference finals and a cup final He's missed the playoffs like a ridiculous amount of times in the in, in his career, way more than he's made them. So what yes. you're saying is he's hungry to win a cup. I, I, I I'm guess, trying here, Chris. I'm trying. I guess again, as somebody that had to watch it for for seven, eight, nine years, whatever it's been, I I get why somebody would hire the guy. I get it. He's got the charisma. He's got the salesmanship. He's got the, he's fantastic with that stuff. And that's, that's how many fans on our, on our uh, Twitter pages and stuff like that are totally fine with his, his average record because he's a good guy. Well, I personally don't care all that much if my head coach and my sports teams is a good guy. I really don't. Cause I'm not in the dressing room. I care that when I spend money, there's a better chance of us winning than losing. 
but some people do care about that. And so there, there's something for you guys. You're going to like him. I, I, if you that don't, actually if you necessarily don't. to me. Yeah, you know, for sure. Like, we're coming off people. of a, a head coach that like is not a good guy. You know, the last, the, the last full-time head coach of the Panthers, we'll say, mm-hmm. was not a good guy. And, you know, one of, the, one of the things I was actually concerned about with Andrew Burnett is how much he was just, you know, running off of what Joel Quenville was doing and like him staying in place would potentially be like an extension of the Joel Quenville era. And, you know, he had been uh, alluding to in press conferences that he's in touch with Quenville and that Quenville's giving them some pointers. So, you know, there was a real worry like, oh, this is Quenville systems. It's still kind of in place from, when they had their training camp with him, who, who knows, like once it wears off, how well they're going to keep doing. And, you know, also like, it, it, is this like a, a stay in place kind of motion to uh, just wait for Quenville to clear up whatever issues he's got to clear up and then he can come back, which is now something I don't think is going to happen. That's, that's good news for me. I'll, I'll put it that way. Then they should have distanced them, distanced themselves from Burnett before hiring Maurice they should have said it's great uh but we're 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 getting rid of the Quenville era and thanks for your service um because I was thinking even today it's kind of what you were mentioning earlier about how they they did this all behind everybody's back as well because Burnett up until five or nine minutes ago now was still the coach I know he's an interim coach whatever but so you've been interviewing Paul Maurice multiple times without saying you know hit the road and that's that's curious to me um if if what you're saying is and i i I would like to think that that's a good thing that they want to get rid of the quenville era then they should have done that and done it you know succinctly and said he's out because we're we're over joe quenville that maybe would have been a better way to do it because well this is all really weird on top of who the hire is it's weird anyway well i don't i don't that was frustrating real quick alex that that was frustrating i wish that they had just decided right away it's andrew brunette or it's not andrew right like day after get off the pot right away like i i don't i very much dislike if this was treated as andrew brunette is one of the many candidates you should have been able to decide if he's your guy or not right away see this is where i'm gonna disagree and it's simply just because I kind of went through the exact same thing with Miami Hurricanes. I'm sure you don't follow college football up in Canada, Chris. But yeah, sure uh, we do. Oh, well, then do you know anything about UM football? Well, I don't follow uh, I don't follow Miami stuff, but I do pay attention, not as much as I used to again. I'm too too focused, but we we all follow college football up here. Okay, well, UM just went through a coaching change as well where they brought in former U, like a former UM football player or Mario Cristobal as their head coach they brought him in from Oregon he was the only option in terms of what they wanted if they could not get Mario Cristobal they were going to keep their coach their old head coach Manny Diaz so it was essentially played out the exact same way where everyone's like oh hey you're clearly flirting with Mario Cristobal and now you're leaving your current head coach twisting in the wind but if you don't get your guy you don't want to let go of Andrew Brunette, who is a guy you clearly think is good enough. You're just trying to do better. I get the optics aren't good, 
But when you're trying to do the right thing for your organization, fuck the optics. Now, is Paul Maurice the right thing? No, I disagree. But I I understand what they were trying to do. I'm both ways on that. I, I, I can agree with both of you, you know, one minute or the other. They did the same thing when they fired Claude Noel here. Paul Maurice was hired immediately. So they had already obviously been talking to him. Right. Uh, it's not like they fired Noel and then said, okay, now we got to find a coach. They had already been talking to the guy. Um, yeah, the Panthers so you, did the same gotta, thing when they brought in Q. They, yeah. He was hired before they fired uh, Bugner. Yeah. So that stuff, I guess that's the part of the business that maybe we're not as familiar with and, you know, maybe a little more sensitive to as, you know, regular Joe Schmo, you know, I'm a mailman. So that sort of, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty blue collar and, and not in that world, you know, so um, it's a little different for us, I guess. I mean, we're, we're, we're just as much not in that world. Like, I mean, maybe exactly. the white collar world. Yes. But like, we're not yeah. in the room. And like these guys clearly operate on a different plane than we do. Like Bill Zito clearly does not give a shit what you and I are going to say about this. I, I When I say that, I mean you and yeah. I, Alex. Because yeah. like this is never something we were going to agree with. The Ben Sherratt trade was never something we were going to agree with. Like it's it seems like he's got the 200 hockey men running his team now. Like it, when he came in, he's signing all these analytics gems on cheap one-year deals, even the ones that didn't work. Like uh, the guy from the Blackhawks, uh, Vinny Hinestroza. Like, I still like the process behind that signing. It made a lot of sense. I still wanted them to do stuff like that. And now, you know, they're they're throwing away first round picks for rentals, something I don't typically oh. like. And you know, maybe other analytics people do like no. it. I mean, no. they're going after the Ben Sherats and the Paul Maurices of the world. It, it, it's, it's just it seems like a total sea change. Well, it is, and you're going. And again, we're trying to do this for your listeners uh, to feel good about things, but you're, you're going back in time and, and our franchise has been back in time. Um, look at the two teams that are in the Stanley cup final. Their coaches aren't 200 hockey men. They use analytics like crazy. They have undersized players that they, they do all the things that the Twitter geniuses and the graph nerds talk about and it's working. And, and then you've got teams that won't, won't go that way. You've got an Edmonton that's going to massively screw up this Yessi Pula-RV situation and, and get rid of him, and he's going to, you know, turn into a great player. And then you've got a team which we were, all were stunned when they went after Ben Sherratt. We were all stunned. And then now a Paul Maurice – I mean, his prime was 2008, <laughs> you know, when hockey didn't look how it looks now. He'll put a Coke machine out there before he'll put out a, a, a defenseman that can make that first pass. Ben Sherratt will almost undoubtedly end up back in Florida because Shut he's, up, Chris. He's, per- he's, a perfect, he's a perfect Paul Maurice guy. He, Paul Maurice made Ben Sherratt the player he is by playing him with Dustin Bufflin. He got him the contract in Montreal and he got him that he got Montreal all of it because of playing Sherratt with, with Bufflin and all the media, all the people from outside, all of them were like Sherratt, 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 all of the smart guys, Sherratt sucks. And he's carried it to another. Play well in the playoffs. I will, I will. Some people seem to disagree. I don't understand how they can do that. He was good against Washington, awful against Tampa. We didn't need him against Washington. 
good. There were there were a few games against Washington where he wasn't very good. Bad players can play good. They're still NHL players. That's right. That yeah. that so that's not a fair judgment. Overall, what type of player is he? He's a he's an all right fifth or sixth defenseman on a on a good team. That's all he is. Um, and so you're seeing a lot of the hockey world that's that's scared to adjust. And sadly, after I don't know what year that was for you guys, it probably you know eighteen nineteen when they did all that analytics stuff. Fifteen sixteen. Okay, so a little while back, and now they're they're going the other direction. And I feel I or I always felt you guys would be able to correct me if I'm wrong that this team is still the result of that, whether it's trades that have happened because of those guys or whatever this is kind of you're finally seeing the fruit from that and now they're gonna go back down another another path it's that's scary to me well i mean carter for hagee certainly is and i mean we're talking about a guy that had five points in the playoff game on a one million dollar average annual value contract so that was that was a smashing success there were there were some failures in that era that they're still paying for keithy endel being one of them but you know, overall, what what Zito did the first year that was clearly influenced by analytics people because we know what they were saying behind the scenes. They told us before Carter Verhage was signed, this is the guy we want. He's going to break out if he's given an opportunity. We want this guy. He's our number one target. What happens? He breaks out. He's a first-line talent, and he's making a million dollars a year. And then the you new know, regime. There's going to be some misses, but the, the risk is so low. Go ahead. The new the new regime in turn let two of those guys go to Vegas and be stars, correct? Yeah, that was it. Well, let let's let's just back and up Marcheseau so you can understand. Goals here. Yeah, Marcheseau was the first analytics find, right? And just so you're aware, it was the same person who found Marcheseau that found Verhage. Um, right. Analytics was kicked out the door because of that injury plagued 15 16 season where Huberto had the torn AC uh, the torn Achilles. And um, uh, Barkov had the bad back. So Talon was brought back And they also signed these long-term deals because ownership gave a team that was clearly like just getting out of a rebuild a three-year championship window. So they had to go out and spend this crazy money in free agency, give guys way too long of deals. And none of them really worked. I mean, I think the James Reimer signing is defensible. Like it was – okay it wasn't good it wasn't bad it was okay the demers and the yandel signings clearly did not work yeah and we don't were... need to relitigate that yeah, yeah I, i'm just trying to give chris the the overhead view of what happened and how the panthers went from analytics back to dale talon where he just torpedoed everything all the positive games the analytics team made and then Analytics was brought back in the door a little bit with Bill Zito, but it now it kind of seems like Zito is pulling the reins back and going back to hockey men with, you know, if you, if you're, and if you spent a first round pick on Ben Sherratt, you're not using analytics. The well, only analytics you're using is a big body to be, <laughs> to be fair. And someone needs to sing to be fair for me because I'm not the only one who watches letter Kenny to be fair. Thank you. Zito kind of went against the analytics because he does use analytics. Like, like I said, the, the I mean, Carter Verhage move, the Hinnestroza move. But, you know, he went against the analytics when he brought in Brandon Montour and Sam Bennett last year and saw two players who were analytically awful completely turn their careers around in 20 short games. 
and then basically was rewarded for the, he gave both of those guys extensions and they had another good year, both of them. So in his mind, you know, he, whether he's using, you know, their own analytics that, you know, have more data than what's public and was able to find some diamonds in the rough that the analytics guys didn't, the public analytics didn't like, or he was just using his gut and was right. Either way, he took another swing this year on Ben Sherratt and was not rewarded. So, to, you know, to give credit to Zito, he has made non-analytic, non-public analytics moves that worked. Ben Sherratt just failed in epic proportions. Yeah, it's uh... so we're we're coming up on an hour, and you know we we love talking anything hockey with Chris. This, of course, it's it's pertinent now. So to not necessarily wrap us up right away, but like kind of get in that, go in that direction. I would ask you as an outsider, Chris, what do you think will happen next season with the Panthers? What do you think like their most likely outcome or outcomes are? Um, I would say they'll probably be almost as good. I would say with that roster, it'd be pretty hard for even me to screw it up. Um, And again, let's be honest, despite, the first 35 minutes of the show, Paul Maurice is at minimum an average NHL coach. Um, you don't, nobody keeps their job for that long. If they're horrible at it, um, he's had a tough time changing on an overall scale and on a uh, kind of on a micro and a macro scale, he's had a tough time changing. He doesn't adjust. Um, that being said, can he throw two and a half lines out there every night with the talent that's there? Um, you got a better defensive core than the Jets have. Um, you're you're going to be fine next year. Does he make the difference of you guys winning a second round series? Um, I don't see it. I don't. I don't see there being any difference to the positive and probably to the negative. Let's be honest. Um, despite again everything I said, that's a pretty foolproof thing you got going on right now. So, like, to, just to, like, put it in some numerical terms, if, if you lose in the second round of the playoffs, you're a top eight team, but not a top four team. So, like, the five through eight range is probably where they're going to be in terms of, like, you know, not necessarily standings points, but, like, if, if you said these were the best teams in the league that year, the Panthers would be five through eight. Do you think that makes sense? Yeah, I would, I would guess. I, what's really crazy is the new divisions – make all of that stuff really uh, so much harder to predict right um back when there was the four divisions with five teams whatever it's pretty easy to go okay it's going to be la or it's going to be edmonton and then either calgary or winnipeg and then la and vancouver that was pretty easy now with these new divisions like you know you know boston's going to take a step back but so and so is going to take a step up and you know is toronto going to be as strong as washington going to fall up that stuff's harder is Tampa going to be as good next year? I, I don't know what their cap and their roster looks like, but I find it hard to believe they would. Um, so I would think, are they going to win the president's trophy next year? I, I doubt it. Not with Paul Maurice, but are they going to be, yeah, a top 10 team? I don't think there's any doubt that they wouldn't be. I don't, that's, that's pretty no brainer too. Yeah. To summarize because you were kind of saying like, oh, he's an average coach. To summarize my feelings about it, I would say it's, it's kind of a reverse of, you remember the scene in Family Guy where there's the mystery box and the boat? 
And it's like, you know, the, oh, the, the mystery box could be anything. It could be a boat. One this of my is favorites. sort of the reverse <laughs> allegory. Whereas like the, what was in the box ended up being tickets to some cheap comedy show. You know, something that you know the value of it. And it's really not that much. I would right. say that's Paul Maurice. Like we know that he's not going to get you there. Like if you're desperate to get over the hump, there's nothing that in Paul Maurice's resume that suggests he can do it. And, you know, he, he still might do better next year with this team than Andrew Burnett would have because he was a question mark. He was inexperienced. Like Alex said, he was learning on the job. And I don't necessarily feel like that can't work. What I do I, feel like yeah. can't work is Paul Maurice. If it's championship or bust, which, you know, maybe it's not always championship or bust. I, I think that it's going to be bust if it's Paul Maurice. Like, he will never win a Stanley Cup ring, ever, okay. if he's the head coach. Okay, so let's put it this way. I, I, what you're saying, I, I agree with. Um, I don't think there's – it's an, an unlikely scenario that they play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the second round next year. There is no way he's out coaching John Cooper. That's not happening. They're not going to win based on his, his coaching. Does that not mean that you, you steal a couple games in OT and you beat them? Okay. That can happen. But if you're, if you've hired him to, to out coach John Cooper in the second round, that's, that's, that's not what's happening. It's just not. Um, Again, are you going to be in the second round of the playoffs? I would, I would, I would probably put. I don't even gamble, and I'd probably put twenty bucks on that. You know, that that you could probably pencil the Panthers in for a second round again. Yeah, I mean, like the Montreal. There was some Montreal reporter who was like, "Oh, seeing the Panthers imploding and panicking like this, like means that Sherat trade could be an all timer if the Panthers fall apart this year." Like the Panthers aren't falling apart. Like. Could something happen where everyone gets injured? You know, Barkov has another back injury. Huberto tears an ACL and or has a shoulder yeah, that injury. That doesn't count, though. Right. Injuries don't count. That doesn't count. Right. And, like, yeah, you could yeah. get, you know, you could luck into a, a lottery pick that way. But, like, right. the Paul Maurice move, like, it's a, a, you know, as we sit here, it's a bad decision for the Florida Panthers. But the Florida Panthers aren't all of a sudden a lottery team. You know, even no, with no, the no. expected losses they're going to have this offseason due to cap constraints, unless, you know, Bill Zito can pull something out of his ass, like, they're still a top three or four roster in the East. And I'm yeah. probably being a bit, you know, bearish on that. Like, they're probably more of a top two or three. Yeah. No, so, and, yeah. and as long as you get capable goaltending, capable, um, like, you know, you over might not. A, well, you might not. If you get over a 9-10, combined or something like that it's going to be fine um and this is as as positive as i'll talk about the guy he's going to get them there he's not going to get them over and that's what i started the whole i think was pretty pretty much one of the first things i said was i was super excited for him to be hired here i lost patience when they kept him here that that was my problem he's a he's he's a perfect middle of the road coach um and I, I, I feel like after you guys saying they're kind of in a do or die, uh, not do or die, but win or go home. <laughs> Cover bust, you know? Yeah. You know, uh, 
Don't know, man. Yeah, n- not to turn this into Winnipeg, Paris, but that's kind of the one thing that I've always thought about your organization is that it's like, where is the urgency? It just seems like everyone is fine with status quo from the ownership to the GM to the head coach. It's like, yep, we're just going to keep chugging along, losing pieces along the way. And oh, shit, no, we're now a lottery team. What the fuck happened? So if I can be honest with you guys, this is a, a, a Winnipeg thing in general. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the CFL, our Canadian Football League, uh, one of the storied franchise. We have the most or second most Grey Cup wins. Um, from 1990 to 2018, 2017, we made the Grey Cup nine times and won it zero times in a league of eight or nine teams. We had our highest attendance over the last 10 years of that 30 years that we've ever had. People are okay for some reason with mediocrity in the city. And when the Jets came back, they didn't have to do anything to sell out that building. Literally, the, it was, every ticket was sold for five years in 30 minutes. So they didn't have to do anything. And the complacency started immediately. We're just happy to be here. We're just happy to be here. They tried to kind of drive that into the fan's head. And then as the product's gone down, they've been too slow to adapt oh we actually have to be a good team oh we actually have to sell craft beer and not just 13 dollars bud lights oh we have to have a, an organ not just play the same uh 1980s hair band songs oh what do you mean we you know what i mean and they're 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 super they're not proactive in anything and whether it's front office stuff on ice literal on ice stuff or or the stuff that surrounds it and for whatever reason, people in this city are okay with that. And I have theories about that that are not for now. <laughs> but there's a, um, a Winnipegger has no problem going to a chain restaurant and spending $9 on a Bud Light draft beer when there's a, a beautiful small business across the street that overlooks the river and has a patio and serves craft beers and they won't go there. They're just okay with things for whatever reason. I don't know. People are just okay with things in the city. There's finally a little bit of change because $5,000 per season tickets when you're not even making the playoffs, you got to show me something, right? Yeah. Honestly, you're, you're kind of talking about a lot, a, a very large portion of the Panthers core fan base. They're just kind of okay with things. And part of that is because you either have to be absolutely batshit insane to be a diehard Panthers fan after 20 years of pure garbage, or you're just okay. Well, you're just happy to go to a hockey game and look at the players and, you know, fanboy or fangirl over whoever your favorite one is. And if they make 30 mistakes that night, you're just kind of like, Oh, well, you know, he tried really hard. And that's kind of a lot of the fan bases. It's like, they're just happy to be watching hockey and yeah, you need those fans, but because the team has been so bad, like, they're just, you know, they'll take it, they'll take whatever's put in front of them, even if it's mediocre to, to bad. So I think that's why you're kind of seeing like a lot of fans on Panthers Twitter, like, yeah, you're getting a lot of outrage from, I would say a vocal minority, but a lot of people are just kind of towing the company line, like Zito in his mm-hmm. brief quote said like, oh, this guy's got the experience and the intelligence to get us there. And it's like, see, he's got experience and he's got intelligence we're fine. Like, that's what I like. That's why I was asking you like, Hey, instead of just shitting on him the whole time, even though we agree with you, like, 
tell us a little bit more about the coach and what we're actually getting. Cause that's all certain fans are seeing is it's like, Hey, Zito says he's got experience. Zito says he's got intelligence. Like let's it's go. The it's the same thing here. We've got, again, we can argue about what place he is. We've got one of the best goaltenders in the league. And on the talk radio, which we don't even, can you believe we don't even have a talk radio, uh, sports talk radio station any longer? But when we did. Well, you are Winnipeg. <laughs> we, when we did, night after a game, you think they would talk about him, but no, they'll talk about Chris Thorburn's fight in the third period, but they won't talk about Connor Hellebuck. There's oh, been almost no. That's why there's no more sports radio. Yeah, there's almost no bigger fan favorite since Dustin Bufflin left than Brendan. Brandon or Brendan, whatever the frick his name is. Tana. Lemieux. Oh, Tana. Ta- well, Mr. Did you guys have Claude Lemieux's kid for a while too? Yeah, people people cooled on him a little quicker Brandon than Lemieux. I thought they would. But uh, that Tana was, people loved him and he didn't do it. He literally, a great tweet from uh, one of our friends was, if Brandon Tana played the game without a stick, nobody would know. Uh, <laughs> and he was a, literally uh, one of the most beloved players when, People just in the last two years have been turned on to Nikolai Ehlers. Oh, and we, it, it, we got fans <laughs> who wonder why there's not a not a guy who just fights every game on the first line to protect yeah. Barkov and Huberto. Yeah, I it's still here. And this was the first year, to be honest, and I, I'll give it up a little bit, was the first year where we called them the pom-pom fans. Um, finally started like, okay, it's time for a new coach. Okay, it's time to make some trades. Okay, yeah, Wheeler is getting older. Um, and that's something we didn't even talk about. And I know we're over time. It would not shock me if somehow Blake Wheeler ends up in Florida next year. There's no, there's no cap room for it, thankfully. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would, Winnipeg is not the kind of team that can facilitate a Sergei Bobrovsky trade. And that's the only way it could happen. Well, Paul Maurice um, has proved for the last eight years that he can't coach without Blake Wheeler. Then again, he proved that he can't coach with him either. So I don't know. Well, now we know who made that tweet earlier. <laughs> I tried. Yeah, I mean, hold on. I'm, I'm pulling up Blake Wheeler's cap hit right here. Yeah, it's like 8, 8.5, I think. So Yeah, there's just no way for the Panthers to fit that. And especially it's because it's got two. There, there's 0.0 chance that happens. Like even, even retaining half and the Panthers sending back like Patrick Hornquist, like it still doesn't work because the Panthers need to – shed Hornquist's salary and not bring anything back period so luckily i don't see a way for hey as blake somebody wheeler to be a panther hyper critical of blake wheeler the last couple of years i wasn't even actually critical of him as much as his usage right super helpful player uh with on any championship team on the third line and on the first power play unit man i'd take him in a second um 20 but at 35 yeah, 23, 24 minutes a night on the first line. That's that's not gonna do it. And that's that's what happened the last two or three years. Yeah, yeah. It, like 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 you said, we are running up against uh, time. So is there anything else about Paul Maurice that we didn't hit that is important? Something that you want to get off your chest? Yeah, no, uh, I I do I don't. I know what it's like with podcasts. People don't usually listen this late, this long in. But I, I, I hate, and we are notorious. Our podcast, Jet Centric Podcast, is notorious for being a negative podcast. Um, I think it's something else. I think it's called being realistic. Um, I've told you realistically the things that Paul Maurice is good at, um, and I've told you realistically the troubles we've had with him the last eight seasons. 
Um, so that's, that's all I can say about that. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to speak the truth. And uh, I apologize to the, to the people that are excited about this. Um, I think it'll be fine next year. <laughs> I think, you know, the next couple of years, you'll have good regular season. Yeah, I mean, I think we should just kind of finish with some positive. We kind of already mentioned it, but um, the Panthers are still going to be a top team in the East. They're still going to be definitely a contender for a Stanley Cup. The, I, the question just it, the question we're trying to answer today is: Did the Panthers improve at the head coach spot? And I think the consensus for the four of us here is no. The question is: How much of that did they downgrade and? what will that impact be? But I think the four of us can all agree that the downgrade wasn't enough where the Panthers all of a sudden have to worry about making the playoffs next year, assuming reasonable health. I wouldn't even suggest that there's been a downgrade because again, you're talking about an average NHL coach with a way above average roster. You're asking the better question is, is this the guy to get you further than the previous guy that's that's the real question and i think we all answered that yeah there's no doubt you'll, you're going to be fine next year are you going to win the step could he win a stanley cup let's be honest of course he could i always say people always say you just need a hot goalie you only need your goalie to steal you one series people think you need a goalie to steal you four series he just needs to steal you one, and that usually only looks like two games. Yeah. One game you shouldn't win, and one game in overtime. Yeah, look, look at Tampa and the series with the Panthers. Not that the Panthers played well, but, you know, Vasilevsky was a god for all four games. And... It never happens. Right. right. You know, rarely. Rarely does the goalie steal four games from you. And well, he, so... I, I don't think he stole all four games from the Panthers, right. but he was a god in all four games and gave sure. the Panthers no chance. That's right. And I, I think an average goalie can, this is kind of what I'm saying. An, even an average goalie can, can fumble their way to a Stanley cup final yeah. with, with, with two, two games at the right time. Look at Darcy so, Kemper this year. Right. And so would I be worried? And is it an impossibility that you guys could make the final? It's not an impossibility. No, the, the roster is certainly good enough to get there regardless of who the coach is. It's just, do you have the coach that's going to make the right decision that can actually cost you or win you a game? And the answer is no. Be very scared to, to see how things you'll know as soon as training camp starts, what, what the roster is going to look like. Cause it won't change much. Yeah. It won't change. Okay. Um, Chris, we want to really thank you for uh, joining us. This was really good. I mean, I know it wasn't the most positive of podcasts for the people who want to be hyped up about the new coach, but we don't want a sunshine pump. We want to give you straight truth. And we went to you because you've given us a lot of great, uh, great stuff in the past. Uh, for anyone who wants to, you know, learn about teams outside the NHL, uh, not outside the NHL, outside of the Florida Panthers, where can they find you? Where can they find your stuff? Where can they find your podcast? Yeah, you can look us up on Twitter, Jet Centric Podcast. Um, Alyssa runs our Twitter account. She is fantastic. She's also got a TikTok, Jet Centric. And uh, you can find me, uh, I think I'm C Mac Live on Twitter. Um, yeah, 
and definitely make us their second favorite team. Winnipeg's okay. pretty cool. Uh, there's a literally. Reason, there's a reason you guys were the joke on the office of the international trip that was the worst place you could send Michael Scott to. <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you this: Winnipeg in the summer is not to be messed with. We were uh, like a hundred and something degrees on Sunday. Uh, sunny. It's gorgeous in the summer. So if you're gonna come here, come wait a hundred degrees in the summer and freezing cold in the winter. What kind of? I didn't realize it was that much of a hell hellscape. And I'm not trying to. I mean, I'm poking no, fun at you, but we not. have we have the biggest temperature range of any major city in the world. You can go from in Celsius minus 35 to plus 35 in like within like four months chris have you ever thought about working for usps we can start you a gofundme we'll move you and the family down to south florida my best friend lives in orlando he's lived there since uh about 2000 and i i would do anything to go live with him so it's it, it just it's so hard for a canadian to move to the state it's almost impossible so you'd think that but every winter you guys are all down here infesting everything and causing a shit ton of traffic so that's right you got to be there six months less a day so uh, the snowbirds they know how to do it so yes, and, they and do. you can't work so well, i can't quite retire yet on my salary well, like I said, the USPS needs good mail carriers. Like, oh, I'd, I'd love it. I hear they get paid almost as much as we do, which I found surprising. So, yes, yeah, so less taxes. That. That's right. You no, know, that whole thing about healthcare, but you don't need that, right? You're young and healthy. No, I only go to the doctor once every like three weeks. So, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> right on, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Chris. That's again from uh, Jet Centric. Uh, this sure. was fantastic. We really appreciate the time uh, for TJ Peterson and Jacob Langsam. I'm Alex Lopez. Thank you guys for listening. Rate us five stars on hotels.com. Find yourself a nice, uh, nice hotel in Winnipeg to go, uh, go stay in the hundred degree weather or, you know, negative hundred degree weather. If you want to go in the winter, I'm sure it's lovely. And uh, thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next time on Panther Parade. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.